Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. See, that we're repairing the wall all around Jerusalem. And so that's a picture of the builder as he assesses the wall. Let me have a look. Let me study. I'll go, okay, here's the breach. Okay, now we got to work on this. That's a picture of the woman of Proverbs 31, 27. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up, call her blessed, her husband also, and praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in her gates. When it says the woman looks well to the ways of her household, that's another Hebrew word. That's a word for watchman. It's a watchman. In other words, the same as the guard, as the watchman, as the lookout who was on the wall, and he was carefully watching for any threats that would come to the city. That's the word. She looks well to the words of her household. She's making these individual studies of the person in her house. Hebrews thirteen four. marriage is honorable in all. But we told in these last days that people are going to depart from that truth. People are going to depart from the faith, and they're going to have a tendency to depart from marriage. In 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctors of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry. Isn't that what we see today? People today are discouraging marriage. They just said, well, just live together. Naomi said that, that she was going to seek for Ruth to have a home of her own, a place of rest. When Naomi was really wanting for Ruth is what the Lord generally wants for a woman, a home. Her sphere that she fills, that she has this influence, she has this charm of this quiet influence, but you know that's the realm she has an influence in. It's a place where she can be the abiding one. She makes the home what it should be. That's what Naomi meant when she said that it may be well with thee. She knew what was going to make Ruth happy. And it was a Ruth to have a home. And what's so important here is that Naomi never uses the word home. She never says the word home. Instead, she uses a word that describes what a home should ideally be when she says in verse 1, rest for thee. That's the goal of a home. It should be a place of rest. Naomi, this word that she's chosen, Manoach is the word there. Manoach, it comes from Noach or Noah, as we say. And what a picture we have of Noah. Noah as a man of rest. That was the name that was given to him. He will bring us rest. And there's no greater picture that we have of Noah, this man of rest, than when we see him with the dove. 
Wow, what a picture this is when Noah with the dove. He puts the dove out of the ark to see if the waters are still covering the earth. And we read all about this, and you might want to turn to this in Genesis 8, verse 8. Such a wonderful picture here of what the man of rest does, Noah, with regard to this dove. And he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. Now, when it comes to Noah being an illustration of what rest is, this is the picture. There are so many important details in this picture of Noah with this dove. I mean, first of all, we see that it doesn't say, well, Noah just let a dove loose. He opened the window and the dove flew out, you know, to see if it was going to return to him. And when it didn't come back, when it came back, he let the dove in. No, there are important details in this account that what happened here that God wants us to see. First, we see Noah as the man named Rest. He sends a dove from his hand. So it says, from his hand into the world, and the dove flies all around, and the dove doesn't find any rest. And it says that the dove doesn't find any rest for the sole of her foot. And then the dove returns to Noah, and he puts out his hand and takes her and pulls her into him in the ark. Now that's a picture of man. As we see Noah, as a man of rest, taking the dove and sending her into the world, we just can't help but see every man that's been created by the Lord Jesus Christ. As it says in John 1, 3, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made in John 1, 3. And just as Noah sent the dove into the world, the Lord Jesus Christ sends every man into the world, as it says in John 1, 9, John 1, 9, and this was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. How come they come into the world? Because he sent them into the world. And the dove flies all around looking for rest and for the sole of her foot. And isn't that just like us? We went into the world and we looked for rest for, for our souls, peace in our hearts from the world. But just as the dove found no rest, we find no rest because the Lord said in John 16, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And just as the dove flies all around the world looking for the rest, so we went all over everywhere, and we were just as the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, we found in the world no real rest and peace for our souls. We spent ourselves out looking for the satisfaction and the rest in the world, and the Lord saw us in the state. And he like, could say to us, like he asked the question, in Isaiah 55, 2, wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? But then we read the specific words in Genesis 8, 9, she returned unto him into the ark. And from those words, we see ourselves turning to the Lord Jesus Christ, back to God. So I said to someone yesterday, turn back to God. And just as it says, why the dove returned, why did the dove return back to God? Because it says the waters were on the face of the whole earth in Genesis 8, 9. 
And the truth is that we were driven to God just as the prodigal son was driven back home when it says in Luke 15, 17, Luke 15, 17, when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants do my fathers have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. It was the I perish with hunger that drove us to back to God. It was the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot that drove her back to Noah and the ark. And we read these beautiful words of what Noah did when he saw the dove come back. And it says in Genesis 8 and 9, he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. That's a beautiful, wonderful scene. You know, first of all, think about it. He put forth his hand You know, as we see uh, Noah putting forth his hand, we see how the Lord Jesus Christ put forth his hand. He puts forth his hand to save us from our sins. We cried out to him like Peter cried out to him in the water of Matthew 14.30, Matthew 14.30. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith. That could be a description of our lives. As his sheep, we get in trouble, the Lord puts forth his hand. As it says in Psalm 138.7, Psalm 138.7, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me, thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. One hand against the enemies, the other hand saving us. See? And it's wonderful to see beyond Noah putting forth his hand to take the dove to see the Lord Jesus Christ putting forth his hand. It's wonderful to see those times when the Lord Jesus Christ put forth his hand in the Gospels as he did when we just talked about the one, Peter, and he also did it for Peter's mother-in-law. In Mark 1.30, it says Simon's wife's mother was lay sick of a fever and a nun, they tell him of her, and he came and took her by the hand. He took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her, she ministered unto him. As he did with the leper. Who touches a leper? But he did. In Mark 140, Mark 140, there came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him, saying to him, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and saith unto him, be thou clean. He healed other people by remote control. Couldn't he enter this leper? But he did. Imagine the leper saying to him, I'm an unclean leper. No one's ever touched me before. But he touched me. As he did with the 12-year-old daughter of the ruler of the synagogue. In Mark 5, 38, he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. When he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado? And sleep, the damsel's not dead, but sleepeth. They laughed him to scorn. He taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, entereth where the damsel was lying, And he took the damsel by the hand. She's dead. She's lying there. It's a corpse. But he takes her dead hand and said unto her, Talatai kume, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked. She was about the age of 12 years old. And they were astonished, a great astonishment. What a wonderful picture of the Lord taking a person by the hand out of death into life. That's what he did for us. He takes us by the hand and leads us out of our death into his life. So Noah, he puts out his hand. You know, he didn't just open the window and says, okay, dove, you silly dove, fly in when you got a chance, you know. No, he opens the window, he puts his hand out, he takes her and pulls her into him. Those are precious details. 
when it says that Noah pulled the dove in unto him into the ark. Because we see beyond that scene again what the Lord did for us. Just like Noah pulled the dove in unto him into the ark, the Lord pulled us in unto the place of rest and safety. Like he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls. Just as it specifically says, Noah took and pulled the dove into him. When we come to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ for rest, we can see Noah as he reaches out his hand, takes the dove, and then pulls the dove in unto him. It doesn't just say he just pulled. It's a detail. He pulled the dove into him. And as we see that picture, we see ourselves first coming to the Lord Jesus Christ timidly from a distance. We don't know who he is exactly, but we come hoping in his mercy, as it says in Psalm 33, 8, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. As it says in Psalm 147, 11, the Lord taketh pleasure and then that fear him and those that hope in his mercy. We were hoping in his mercy when we came and then we found it was right. It was good to hope in his mercy. And when we came near, we experienced a certain nearness to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. As if we were the dove, we felt ourselves being pulled into him. And then for the rest of our lives, as the saved, now we experience a constant pulling in to him and closer to him. As a matter of fact, that's how our lives of believers can be described as a continual process of being continuously pulled in closer to him. It's all about being closer to him. That's what it is. It's the reason why, do you know this is the reason why the lost don't get saved? You know, if they could be saved, you know, if I could just be saved without being pulled in closer to him, maybe I would, you know. The salvation involves being pulled in closer to him. You know what he said in John 5, 40, why he said these people won't have life, these people won't be saved? You will not come to me that you might have life. When the Lord said that, he hit the nail right on the head when he said, you will not come unto me. The reason people are not saved is not because they don't want to be saved. It's not because they don't want to go to hell. It's not because they don't want to go to heaven. You know, the issue, they don't want to come to the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. They don't want to come to the Lord Jesus Christ to not go to hell. They don't want to come to the Lord Jesus Christ to go to heaven. It's all about coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the issue. That's the issue we face with the summer blitz. That's the issue. Now look, can you imagine just this silly scene? Okay, bear with me a little bit. But can you imagine this silly scene of this dove? And by the way, the dove was smarter than this. But just imagine this silly scene of the dove just flying round and round over the ark, you know, and someone yelling to, hey, dove, you know, <laughs> what are you doing up there? Flying around in the ark, you know, like that. Why don't you come into the ark? Aren't you tired of flying around up there? You're just flying around, come in the ark for rest. You know, and then the dove replies, but yes, I'm really tired of flying around here. I'd really like to be at rest in that ark. I really want to be safe in the ark. Uh, there's just this one problem. I don't like Noah. <laughs> I can't stand the thought of Noah pulling me into him, taking me and pulling. No, if you maybe just would get open the window and get out of the way, I'd come in. Why does he have to stand there in the middle of that window? There's just another way. For me to come into the ark so I don't have to get be taken by Noah and pulled into him. I'd come. 
And then Noah replies from John 14, 16, hey, dove, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man, no dove comes into the ark, but by me. And Noah says in John 10, 9, hey, dove, I'm the door. By me, if any dove enter in, he shall be saved. You know, and the dove replies from Isaiah 53, 3, Noah is despised and rejected of doves. <laughs> and the dove replies from Isaiah 53, 2, Noah has no form, no comeliness. And when us doves see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. And then Noah replies from John 5, 40, Hey, dove, you will not come to me that you might have life. You might be saved. But the dove in Genesis 8, 9, he, he was smarter than that. He didn't hesitate for a minute to come to Noah to be saved. But the sad truth today is that there are many people today who are like the dove I described, the silly dove. You know, just it won't come to Noah. Many proud people today who, who see the humble, lowly, meek Lord Jesus Christ who doesn't even have a house, but not even have a pillow to lay his head on, and they despise him in their hearts. They won't come to him. They look for, they look for some other way into heaven, some other window into the ark. There's a point made about the ark, only one, one window. But there's no other way into heaven except by him, as it says in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 10, 7, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Acts 4, 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Isaiah 43, 11, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there's no Savior. Isaiah 45, 5, I am the Lord, there is none else. There's no God beside me. Noah could say that. I'm Noah, there's no other Noah beside me. There's no other window beside this one. There's no other way. In Isaiah 45, 6, I am the Lord, there's none else. Isaiah 45, 21, uh, just God and a Savior, there's none beside me. Hosea 13, 4, there's no Savior beside me. He's it. If you don't like it, find another universe. So in order for a home to be, as Naomi described, a place of rest, there must be the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the rest giver. To have a home without the Lord Jesus Christ as the honored, adored Savior is to have a home of tired doves flying around and around over the ark, refusing to come in. A home can have no rest unless the Lord Jesus Christ is at the center of that home. And that's a home where everyone in that home has come right into his outstretched arm, has allowed him to pull each one close to him. That's a home that Naomi describes as rest. This is the rest that's called the Lord's rest. It's the theme of the book of Hebrews. It describes this over and over and over again. Rest, God's rest, Hebrews 3.11, they shall not enter into my rest. Hebrews 3.18, if they shall enter into his rest. Hebrews 4.11, then he promised being left us of entering into his rest. Hebrews 4.3, if they shall enter into my rest. Hebrews 4.5, if they shall enter my rest. Hebrews 4.9, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Hebrews 4.11, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. See, this is what is above everything else Naomi desires for Ruth. It's Naomi said to Ruth, she actually said this to both Ruth and Orpah. 
her two daughters-in-law in chapter 1 when she said in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 9, the Lord grant that you may find rest, each one of you in the house of your husband. Naomi always wanted them to find rest in the house of their husband. And that's what Naomi wanted for them. There's something radically wrong today with a home where there's no rest. There's no peace. There's something radically wrong when the members of a household see themselves as inmates in a prison. They're having to serve a term until they can get out and they can't wait to get away from home. I mean, what does a home look like that's got the rest that we're talking about, that's got the peace that we're talking about? Home should be a place where people feel relaxed and they're not on guard because they're going to be attacked all the time. Home at rest is it's not a place when a person feels attacked. It's a place where a person feels accepted and loved. A home is a, of rest is a place of love. A home that's at rest is a, is a happy place. It's got a place when you come up to the door, you hear people laughing through the door. And you know you're coming to a happiness place. You know, the world is so full of sadness. It's so full of sorrow. There's got to be a place where a person comes that's opposite of the world. A place of happiness, a place of joy, a place that has got to be a home of rest, characterized by what Naomi's talking about here. Rest. The world's full of alienation. The world's full of isolation. The world's full of separation, hostility, unfriendliness. There's got to be a place where it's altogether different. There's got to be a place where instead of alienation, there's friendliness. A place where it's characterized by what Naomi's talking about, rest here. There's got to be a place where there's companionship where people work shoulder to shoulder with each other, bearing each other's burdens. There's got to be a place of friendship where people are praying for each other with genuine care. That's the home of rest she's talking about. And that's the home of rest that where we lock the world outside. That's where we got locks on our doors because it's important to keep the world out. We lock our doors at night. We lock our windows at night. The intruders don't come in, but there's a huge window huge window that's left unlocked and unguarded. And you know what that window is? It's the television. And with the television, the world comes right in the house. It's a huge window through which the world just climbs into the house, unrestricted, blasphemous language, sexual sins, pride, violence, all spill right out of the tube onto our living room floors. And if David were here today and you turned on a typical TV show in front of King David, he would say Psalm 101.3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. The TV can easily turn our home of rest into a home of tension. And the characteristic of what Naomi described in this home of rest is where the world is locked out. And it's not only the, the TV that's the open window. It's now, it's gone to the, it's the computer, it's the tablet, it's the smartphone, windows to the world, wide open. But the home at rest, it shuts the world out. The Lord Jesus Christ, he touches our heart. Instantly, he touches our heart when he says these words, my father's house. Wow. When he says, my father's house, we're drawn. We want to go there when he says in John 14, 1, John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What a wonderful statement, in my father's house. You know, there's no analogies about the city or the temple that are more powerful for an influence on us than the analogy of my father's house. To go to the father's house, 
boy, everything we just described about being a home, that's in his father's house. Companionship, friendship, love. May we make our homes to be like the father's house. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Naomi. Thank you, Lord, that she took the initiative of care. She crossed the barrier. Lord, she made Ruth her individual study. She prayed with all her heart and went to work to have this home of rest. Lord, may we be like her, Lord, and cross the barriers, take the initiative of care, and may our homes be homes of rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Do you believe God created the earth? Do you believe God created you in his image? Then come celebrate Museum Day at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California on Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Museum Day is a Christian family festival event with life-size dinosaurs, games, rides, contest prizes, fair food, vendor booths, petting zoos, live animal encounters, and super science experiments for kids, along with world-renowned speakers Tom Cantor, Eric Hoven, David Reeves, Russ Miller, Kevin Conover, Dr. John Baumgartner, and more. Free admission to the museum and all speaking engagements for you and your family and entire church family are free. The Creation and Earth History Museum is located off of Highway 67 and Woodside Avenue in Santee next to the Santee Drive-In. So bring your family and friends on Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and strengthen your faith at Museum Day. For more information, call us at 619-599-1104 or creationsd.org, creationsd.org.